Good morning. Good morning. My name is Shane. I've met, uh, I think I've met everybody that's, that's new, but it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, you know, when you wake up and it's 15 degrees outside, you don't exactly know what to expect and uh, who would show up and who would thaw out and, and, and that sort of thing. So uh, glad everybody is here this morning, excited that everybody's here. And we're, we're closing up the Sweet Dreams series and we're taking a look. Sweet Dreams is if, if you just joined us, you can go online and find every sermon in, in, in the series and everything. And, but um, Sweet Dreams, we're, we're, we're tracing the life of Joseph, the, 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 the famous Joseph in the Bible, the Technicolor dream coat that probably wasn't technicolor it was just long armed and 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 we're following the story of joseph and how god planted initiated a dream inside of joseph and how god is the one that brings it about and in in over the course of this entire year over this course entire year we're looking at the character of god and who god is and this portion of god's character is brought to you by god's sovereignty and and which kind of everything is brought to you by god's sovereignty but the uh, Anyway, I'm not going to go there, but uh, sovereignty is God's control of everything. And how he does that, and one of the key ways that he does that is he, he plants stuff inside of us, and he massages that, and he fans the flame, and he prepares us, and he moves on it, and, he, and then he completes it. And we're going to look, take a look at how he completes things. No, not Jerry Maguire, you complete me, but how God completes things in our life. Nobody saw Jerry Maguire, evidently. So anyway, that's where we are. And we're going we're gonna to wrap things up. And last week, we took a look at how God moved in Joseph's life. And some of us may be like, isn't God moving and God completing? Isn't that the same thing? But no, not necessarily. When God moved in Joseph's life to put him second in command, he was still seven years away from seeing God complete the dream. Seeing God complete the dream and bring that full circle of the dream that God planted inside of Joseph so many years before where his brothers would come and his parents would come and bow down before him. And we've talked about how here we, 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 we believe and I believe that we're still in the preparation phase. We'll talk a little bit about how I still believe that here in just a moment, but we're taking a look at, at, at the dreams that God plants inside of all of us as individuals, but also as a collective group of people. That's what the, that's what the, 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 the whole uh, card is about to fill out. Of going, this is what I see for Crosspoint, of collecting those together and putting those up so that we can all read and dream together. But how does God complete the dreams that he's put in us what does that end up looking like when we left joseph he had just come to second in command in all of egypt second of he went from alleged rapist to second in command in about 15 minutes it's crazy right it's nuts But it still wasn't done. How did God go about completing it? Well, Joseph, Joseph went right to work. We've talked about Joseph's work ethic and how everywhere he was, he worked. And, 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 and if I were Joseph, and probably for most of us, we'd probably do the same thing. We went 13 years through slavery, 
13 years to being thrown in prison, 13 years to being forgotten, and then in an instant he became second in command in the world superpower, the richest nation on the face of the earth at that time. And you know what? If I were Joseph, I'd be like, you know what? The famine is coming in seven years. I've gone through 13 years of crap. I deserve a week or two. I'm in, I'm in command. I'm in control. I've got everything afforded to me. I've got women feeding me grapes. I want to live it up for a little bit. I think most of us probably would, would, would be like that. I deserve this. But a nice little line in the middle of that story says, after Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he went and he toured the land. He got right to work. He got right to work. When God moves, when God moves here, we want to celebrate it. We want to be excited about it. But if we celebrate and get excited about it to a point where we stop working, we'll see God stop moving. God doesn't move because we work. God moves because we are ready for him to move. And we actually see him moving. Joseph went to work. And he stored the grain. And he stored more grain than what they could count. And then the famine hit. And it all dried up. But they were prepared. They were ready. They still hadn't seen the dream be completed. And one day, ten guys showed up. Bowed down before him. And they said, I'm, we're from the land of Canaan. And we've ran out of food. And our dad sent us here in order to see if we can buy food, buy grain from you, and take back. Joseph knew. The dream has just been completed. But he didn't reveal himself, did, did he? Even if you weren't in church for a long time, you've probably known the story. He decided... And in that moment, that all those emotions, I mean, imagine what, what you would feel if you, you saw your brothers for the first time that sold you into slavery for the first time after 20 years. 20 years. <coughs> emotions that would go through you. And the struggle that Joseph probably had on what exactly to do. But he wanted to test them. Have they changed? Have they transformed? Is there anything different from their lives? So he took them through a series of tests where, they, where he finally backed them far enough into a corner to see if they've changed. And Judah, the fourth brother, the one that's not really supposed to lead the whole clan, the fourth brother named Judah, he stepped up and said, Hey, look, don't take Benjamin, the youngest son, don't take him. It's going to kill good old dad, and, and it's just not going to be good. I will sacrifice my life for the brother. 20 years before, though, it was Judah that said, I'm going to sacrifice the brother for my life. And Joseph knew. Joseph knew they'd been changed, they'd been transformed. Remember me in Genesis 45, and it starts off saying Joseph could stand it no longer. He couldn't stand it no longer. What's it? He, he couldn't stand the emotion, the emotion of seeing his brothers, the emotion of seeing his younger brother that now all grown up. 
The emotion of seeing, of, of knowing that his dad is still alive. The emotion of, 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 of hearing the, his brothers experience the guilt of 20 years ago. The emotion of seeing the change that's happening in, in, in his brothers to, to, to go from sacrificing the brother for them to sacrificing them for the brother. He couldn't stand it any longer. But the brothers didn't know what's going on. All they knew is this, this guy, this, this second in command is a little bit off his rocker. Through all of this, they've just been like, I don't know what's up with this dude. All this stuff is kind of a little bit strange that he's doing. And so here, now, Joseph, uh, this is what Joseph did. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. And so, could you imagine being the ten brothers? Going, oh no, he's sending everybody out what's he going to do is this going to be some sort of like mafia hit here or what i mean is he just going to get rid of us all and we see from the rest of the rest of the story he's about ready to weep but when we're about ready to weep we can look angry as well and sometimes we weep because we're angry and so they're probably just freaking out going oh no what's he going to do to us this guy's been just a little bit out there, and now he's sending everybody out. So he's alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. I mean, could, you, could you imagine? Ah, what? Because the brothers, they didn't expect his prissy, their prissy little brother, narc brother, to make it to the slave trade. They didn't. And here he is, the second in command in Egypt, standing before them. The one that was toying with them the entire time was their brother. That's an old crap moment. Which we have more of those here than amen moments. But anyway... They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. When we see God move and complete dreams in our life, we know it immediately. If we're wondering, has God moved yet? If we're wondering, has God completed this yet? Then no. No, he hasn't. We're still in the preparation phase. That's why I know that we're still in the preparation phase because even though we've seen glimpses of God moving, we can't say, oh yeah, absolutely. We have seen this God move us towards this in a great way. And so we keep waiting and we keep working and we keep preparing and we keep sacrificing and we keep praying until he moves. Because we know that he has promised to move in our life and in the life of his church. And we want it. That's why we're gathering back together tonight at 6 o'clock. It's voluntary. Nobody gets forced to come back. I'm not going to come to your house with a gun and force you to come back. But I think it's vital. Because this is the time that we've set aside as a, as, a, as a group of people to specifically worship and pray and seek God for answers to what's ahead that we don't know the answer to.
And quite specifically in regards to, to building and, 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 and furthering the mission through building. Because we know we haven't had the it moment. The it moment. Where we see all these ordinary choices, all these ordinary decisions, all these ordinary things line up in such a way that things happen that are extraordinary. So that's what we see in Joseph's life. We've talked about this, that, 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 that there's nothing supernatural. No Red Sea parted in Joseph's story. It was just all kinds of ordinary things lined up in such a way. The brothers needing to eat, that's ordinary. But the fact that he went, they went and stood in front of Joseph, their brother, to complete the dream, that's extraordinary. That's why we're gathering tonight. In order to just come before God and say Move, please. Move. Is it required? No. But do you want to miss it? No. Because we have the chance to be revived. And we want to see God move. We want to see Him move. We've talked a lot about the preparation phase and there's a lot of danger with the preparation phase. What do we do with that preparation phase? The next part of this story tells us what we do with the preparation phase. Verse 4, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. <laughs> when the brother that, that is second in command in Egypt that you thought was dead, all of a sudden is standing before you, you just do whatever he says, right? Come closer. I don't know if I want to, but okay. And he again said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Look, look, look. Joseph doesn't sugarcoat anything. Joseph doesn't forgive and forget. He forgave, but he didn't forget. He didn't sugarcoat a single thing. But he didn't, also, he didn't sugarcoat either the way he viewed things. Don't be angry with yourself. Why? I'm not angry with you. Don't be upset. Why? I'm not upset with you. Why, you, why would you be upset when I'm not. Why can he feel that way? Why can he be that way? It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Here's what we've got to do with the preparation phase. Here's what we, how we have to view the preparation phase. We have to view it and we, we have to hold God accountable for the preparation phase and not people. We have to hold God accountable for the preparation phase and not people. This is vital. Because if we hold people negatively accountable for our preparation phase, we'll become bitter and angry. And specifically, we'll become bitter and angry towards the church. I am so concerned about something that's going on in our nation right now. That it's cool to be bitter and angry at the church. 
that it's authentic to be bitter and angry at the church. Now, 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 does hurt happen? Absolutely. But who was hurt more than Joseph? His own brother selling him into the slave trade. And, his and, and Joseph said, yeah, 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 you did it. You did it, but I'm not upset because God's the one that really did it. He's the one that sent me here, not you. He's the one that was weaving all this together, not you. So if we hold people negatively accountable for our preparation phase, we'll be bitter and angry towards people. But there's somebody else we can hold negatively accountable for our preparation phase. And that's God. That's the other thing that it's kind of invoked to do, is to hold God negatively accountable for our preparation phase, where we just basically give God the bird and say, I'm done and I'm through with you. I'm bitter and I'm angry. And if we hold God negatively accountable for our preparation phase, we will step away from God, the one who wants to move in our life. But when we hold God positively accountable for our preparation phase, we'll say, absolutely it hurts. There is no two bones about it. My bones ache because I went through this. But... God is preparing me for something. God is preparing me in my life. And he's preparing me to see him do absolutely far above and beyond what I can imagine, I can imagine with, with the power that is wor at work within me. Ephesians 3.20, right? That when we hold God as positively accountable, we look at the promises of God and say, yes, right now I am going through crap. However... One day, he's going to move. And he's going to use this time period to move. Because it is at the point of our deepest hurts that he uses in the deepest power. Some of you may want to write that down. It is the point of our deepest hurt that he uses in his deepest power. And that's why we go through the preparation phase. Because he wants to move through our preparation. And if we shrink back, if we hold back, and if we go away from God and from the church, we make it more difficult for him to see him move and use that preparation phase for him. And we can view it like this because the dream isn't the dream. The dream isn't the dream. And this is the case with Joseph. This is the case with Joseph. The dream wasn't the dream. The dream was the, the brothers bowing down, right? That was the dream. That was the legitimate dream. That was the real dream. But, but that wasn't the dream, was it? It wasn't about the brothers bowing down. It wasn't about the brothers bowing down, was it? It was about God saving lives, wasn't it? The dream wasn't about the dream. The dream was about something deeper that God wanted to do. And God wanted to save lives. And guess what? The dream that he's put inside of every single one of us and all of us collectively, he's preparing us because the dream is more than the dream. The dream is about saving lives. Ultimately, saving lives from hell. Saving lives from, 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 from the sin that entangles us. But also, from the hell that people put themselves in and, and are placed in, on this earth. 
Saving them from financial trouble. Saving them from cutting themselves. Emotional distress. Saving them from having to have relationships that, that, are, that, that, that are broken and torn down. Saving people from alcoholism and drug abuse. Saving people. And we know that the dream of having a building is more than the building, right? It's so easy to get caught up and in, in, uh, get a building, get a building. A bit. So easy, so easy for me to, 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 to not see the forest from the trees. But if we step back, we go, no, 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 no. It's not about a building. It's about seeing people stream to God through a tool we call a building. It's just a tool. That's all it is. The dream is more than a dream. The dream is about saving people from their life. A couple of weeks ago, I showed some, some photos of, of land that's just right around here in the corner and, that I stood on and took pictures around. And I'm going to throw one of those back up again and see if you can see it. You see it? See your building? I, I can't describe it too well, but I'm thinking something modern, contemporary, with lines as the focus and a bunch of crossing points in those lines. But can you also see it? People walking across those that land, streaming, People who don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. People who have slashes on their wrists from cutting themselves. People who are drowning themselves away in alcohol. People who think that in order to escape the pain, I have to have another relationship. People who think that religion's the answer. People streaming across the lot in order to find something that they don't quite know what they're looking for, but there's something there that I don't have. See, the dream is more than the dream. The dream is about saving people. Just like with Joseph. The memory verse that we have for this series, uh, Genesis uh, 50-20, you meant it for evil, what you did but God meant it for good. God put me in this position to save the lives of many people. Joseph got, finally got that the dream was more than the dream. It was about saving lives of many people. Now, we're not talking about grain. Well, we might be talking about hunger for some people. But we are talking about saving lives. From hell, and the hell on earth that they've put themselves in, that we've put ourselves in, and maybe that somebody else has put them in for them, such in case of abuse. The dream is more than the dream. That's what Mission 2014 is all about. The dream is more than the dream. That as we give on, uh, for Mission 2014, that 90% that will go to building because building costs a lot. But it's about fulfilling the mission 
through building, fulfilling the mission of seeing non-fans stream to God. And us going to them in order to tell them that there's a God that wants them to stream to Him. And 10% back to mission. Flat out mission. To go. Because another dream that I have right now is for us to adopt a hard place here in America. What we would consider an unreached people group here in America. 4% or less evangelical. Taylor and Phil and I have talked a lot about this over the last course of, 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 of this year. And, and uh, we've kind of narrowed it down to two places. But I think we need to take a vision trip, a small group of people, two, three, four, five people, take a vision trip to each one of these places to go, God, which, which place do you want us to, to engage with deeply? One is Syracuse. Most of you know we used to live there. We have relationships there. Less than 4% evangelical. The other is Las Vegas. And I've got relationships there as well with, with friends of mine and churches and stuff to go and serve the communities. Why didn't we pick both? Because I don't want us to get watered down. We can't afford to get watered down. To dive in deeply with the hard place, to serve that hard place and to see churches spring up and be planted. And you know what my, my dream is for Cross Point? It's, it's up there. That we see an army of people living out the mission that God has for their life. That's my dream. It's not about serving. It's not about buckling up and just serving. And do, but, but, but a group of people who, who find their individual mission that God has for them. Some of you sitting right here may go to one of those two places someday to plant a church. Pack it all up and leave. Some of you teenagers, you're going to pick a college not because of the educational uh, mindset of the college, but because that's where people need to be saved. Some of you may sell houses in order to help complete the mission. Some of you may change jobs. Maybe some of you will, 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 will quit a job to start a nonprofit organization. But be, because a church told you God is planting a dream inside of you, you dared to believe it. And at every step of the way, you just simply said, I don't know what you're doing, God, but at the end of the day, I don't care. Because what you're doing is better than what I can do. And I'm just going to follow you every step of the way. And we also know that the dream cycle, I mean, it's nice and neat and cute and cuddly in Joseph's life. You know, there's a bow on the top and the cherry on top, you know, all, all, all that. We know that life isn't so cute and cuddly and bows on tops and stuff. Our dream cycle goes in and out of phases and stuff. So we have to be okay with that because we, we, we kind of think our life should be cute and cuddly and bows on tops and stuff. And it's not quite that clean. 
We're going to go into a preparation phase and out of it and God will move and then he'll complete just enough time to initiate something new and we're like, ah, we just went through this, you know, that's that sort of thing. We go in and out and in and out and in and out. I like the word tension. Phil told me this week he prefers the, the sweet dance metaphor. That shows you that he's a little bit more cultured than I am. I like tension, you know, being ripped apart and he likes to dance, so... But it's a tension. It's a tension. It's a, it's, a, it's a sweet dance. It's utterly frustrating. And if we didn't remind ourselves that it was sweet, it would be utterly frustrating. But we also have to remember that God is using it to prepare us for Him to move. So what's the effects of Him moving? What happens? When, when, when He moves, when He completes, what, what happens? Genesis forty-five sixteen. The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all of your families and return here to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt, and you will eat from the best that the land produces. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your little children and your wives, and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. What's an effect? What's the effect of God completing a dream that non-fans will take notice? Will all of them take notice? No. Will some of them take notice? Yes. This is what happened with Pharaoh. Now, there's something that, that I saw this week for the very first time, but I believe, well, yeah, I can't prove it from, from, from Scripture, but I think this makes sense to me. It seemed like Pharaoh was anticipating Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers have arrived. You only say that when you're anticipating people, right? When you anticipate somebody coming to your house, you go, they've arrived. Here's what could have happened. A little bit of my imagination. Here's what could have happened. After Joseph toured the land and came back and he was reporting to Pharaoh and maybe they were sitting down for dinner and they sat down for dinner and they had dinner and Joseph gave his report and, and, and Pharaoh said, hey, Joseph, there's been something I've been wondering about. There's been something that's kind of been eating at me. I want to know. I want to know. You know, you interpreted those dreams. I mean, spot on. This is amazing. How did you do that? No, Joseph, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You told me this. It's God. But no, 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 no. Really, what, what happened in your life that enabled God to do that? Joseph said, hey, well, I had a couple of dreams of my own. 20 years ago, 14 years ago, I had a couple of dreams. And the dream was that my brothers and my family was going to stand in front of me and bow down. And I haven't seen that dream be completed yet. And from that day forward, Pharaoh anticipated Joseph's brother showing up at any point in time. See, right now we have people who don't go to church. That's rooting for us. It's helping us out. And I hope that maybe through this, they'll see the evidence of God again and decide to come back into church. God will make himself evident to non-fans. 
through this dream cycle. There are people around you at work, in your neighborhood, at school, that are looking at our, our lives. And they want to see the evidence of God working in our lives. Now, we can't force God's hand, but at the same time, we see from Scripture when people went in front of God and pleaded for God, move, because there's a group of people out there looking at us. And for your namesake, we need you to move. God had a tendency to move. One of the effects of God moving and God completing is that it'll be evident to non-fans and they'll want to become fans of God. I don't know if a Pharaoh ever did, but I know one thing, he was a non-fan that become interested in God. But for a lot of us, we'd say, well, that's great, that's awesome. And we talk a lot about non-fans and stuff and, and I do intentionally because it's easier to get focused in than focused out. But is there any effect on us, fans, people that already know God? Genesis 45, 25. And they, they, the brothers, left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. Uh, Preparation for this, this is the first time I've thought about this. Actually, Max Lucado had uh, (coughs) recently his newest book of uh, his hundred um, uh, 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 is about Joseph. I recommend you going and, and looking that up and finding that. But uh, something that he said made me, made me think about this as, as well. Imagine the brothers going back, and, 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 and as they were approaching the land of Canaan in their father's home, it dawning on them. They've got good news, and they've got bad news. And when they tell the good news, they've got to tell the bad news. Dad, we got good news. Joseph's still alive. we got bad news. Here's why. Now the Bible never says that they had that conversation, but you've got to believe they had that conversation. Joseph is still alive, they told him. And he is governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph is sent to carry him, the brothers are going, okay, you don't have to believe what I'm saying, but how do we get that? Maybe Jacob could have said, given your background, I don't know. But their father's spirits revived. Then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. One of the effects of, of, of God completing is that it revives fans. It revives fans. And I felt, I felt a buzz, a revive amongst fans here that we haven't felt in quite a while. He takes us through a preparation phase just to revive us. Just to revive us. And we're starting to see. And I believe that God has put this core group together that's sitting here before me and some others that are sick or it's too cold or whatever that's not here this morning, that, you, that God has prepared us and brought us together in order to move on something, on something for the next phase of Crosspoint to save the lives of many people. And those of you that are new to us, just ask you, 
Has God in His sovereignty brought you here in order to join us to complete and move on the dream? To be committed to God first and His people second? Together to, to, to work and prepare to sacrifice to complete the dream of God? To see Him move? That He brought you here to revive your spirit? Because of whatever dampened your spirit. Could it be? Could it be? There's a couple of other last effects. First of all, God moves and God completes for our enjoyment. I know it's a lot of times in church we, we kind of get scared when we talk about our enjoyment. But Joseph got to enjoy his brothers again. He got to sit down and have a meal with them and enjoy their company again. God moves and God completes for our enjoyment. We're going to enjoy what he does here. I mean, think about it. It'd be a horrible marketing strategy that, uh, that we're just like, all right, we just got to grin and bear it. Like, yeah, I've been to that church. We're going to enjoy what God does. But also, 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 there's just something grander at stake here. God is moving in his kingdom. Whatever he does, whatever he moves, whatever he completes is for his kingdom. It's evident from Joseph's life. It's evident in the entire story. Joseph's dream cycle is just a micro dream cycle of God's macro dream cycle of his kingdom. And our dream cycles are just merely micro dream cycles of the macro dream cycle of his kingdom. And it just goes to serve to advance his kingdom. Joseph saw it. He's like, hey, God sent me here to save the lives of many people. But also this started way back, way back. This particular dream cycle with Abraham. When God told Abraham, hey, look, your people, your family is going to go down to Egypt or down to a country that, that they're, going to, uh, they're going to be in slavery for 400 years. But it's all for a purpose. It's all to advance my kingdom. It's all to build the nation. Just think, 70 people moved to, to Egypt with the family. That was starting to get big enough for the other countries to start to take notice. And they could have squashed that family like nothing, nobody's business. But God sent them down to Egypt to incubate and to grow into a nation in order to go back and take over the land. But also, ultimately, what was he doing? He was creating a people to send his son through. That he planted a dream inside of his son to save the world. And 2,000 years later, we're still in that same dream cycle. With our little micro dream cycles. The dream is bigger than the dream. It's about the salvation of souls to the son that he sent to save the world. Do we want See him complete what he started.
This Sunday marks the closest day to our fifth year anniversary. And we know He's not done with us yet. Five years later, He's not done with us yet. In fact, He's just begun. We haven't scratched the surface of what He can do. A dream is bigger than a dream. What is He doing in your life? What is He doing in our life? Collectively, to complete His dream. Let's pray. And Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. Thank you, Lord, that you initiate dreams. I mean, talk about something you don't have to do. To do with people that jack up your dreams, that mess up your dreams, that we just kind of, it's like you've given us this fine piece of china and all we can do, it's like we have butter in our hands and all we can do is just drop it, but you put it back together and you keep handing it back to us to take it and run with it. But at the same time, at the same time, while we, while we do what we know to do, at the same time, we know that we can't do what you can do. And we just wait in hungry expectation for that. We don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. But I think you start to form it. I think you're putting it there. I think you're planting seeds. We don't know exactly how you're going to water it. We don't know exactly how you're going to make it grow. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But I believe it's there. Lord, move in our life this morning in order to hear from you the sweet whisper of what you've planted in our heart and how you want to move on that. Help us hunger and thirst for your righteousness so much that we have to get it satisfied. In your name we pray. Amen. In this time of reflection, I'll be in the back and Shelly will be in the back or you can grab somebody. If you, want, if you want to talk to somebody, pray with somebody through the mission that God has for you. While this isn't overly very evangelic um, sermon or series, you know, if you would call yourself and not a fan of God, but but something that settled with you this morning from the aspect of dreams and going, I want a God that puts dreams in my heart. And talk to one of us. Talking doesn't get you saved. Talking just helps sort things out. Come and grab one of us. Otherwise, worship the God that has planted a dream inside of you and inside of us. Go ahead and stand with me.